listener production. Shares, the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is really, really gearing up for a rant. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page from strawman.com. How are you, mate? I'm very good, sir. How are you? You're not, I'm well, you're not just from strawman.com, of course. You are the founder and managing director of strawman.com. You are, of course, my favourite chief cook and bottle washer. Those things are very important as well. Mate, I, during the week, I got some more feedback from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Turns out I am obligated, obligated by sheer peer pressure, by response, by responsibility. I'm obligated mm-hmm. to ask you what strawman.com is. <laughs> I knew it was too too good to last, <laughs> wasn't it? Uh, we're a private online investment club. I, apparently you are. I, I even yeah. had some people say, I can't believe I'm asking this, but you got to go back to the old straw man joke. Oh, okay, I, I, I'm I'm a man of the people, mate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I you know I I just I, I have to go where they want me to go. We, you, we are you do you do you <laughs> you I'll I'll just grip my teeth and I'll I'll, okay. I'll see what I what I love about this push is, through. Is, the, is the is the faux outrage as if you really can you like the joke <laughs> you, you think it's funny come on if that's what you got to tell yourself <laughs> <laughs> mate I got very ranty we're recording this on Thursday morning I got very ranty this morning on Twitter yeah in fact I it decided <laughs> I was ten minutes late to this meeting because. It was about quarter to nine. I thought, oh, I'm almost ready to go. We normally start this conversation at nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, I thought, I'm almost ready to go. God, I'll finish this and I'll come down. Ten minutes past nine, I'm like, oh, bloody hell. I've forgotten. <laughs> I, got, I got a bit ranty. Uh, we will, we'll get into that rant in a minute, mate. Let's, let's, uh, let's leave our members in suspense. I would listen to suspense. Let's start with a very big week. <laughs> Another very big week in macro. I, um, I was... Not surprised to see rates go up by a quarter of a percent. That's the bad news. 3.6% now. That's 10 straight rate rises and 3.5% in, what, eight, nine months? Crazy stuff. Since May. Mm. Mm. I was surprised that Phil Lowe seemed to flag that maybe there's a pause on the way. Certainly markets took it that way. The ASX jumped half a percent, uh, literally at 2.30 on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The currency market fell over. Uh, same mm. thing. Aussie dollar fell. That's what you would expect. Um when these things happen, I was really surprised that they are prepared to potentially stop raising rates. And I, not because I don't want it, not because I don't care about it with mortgages, but inflation's still seven and a half percent. Last I checked, I mean, this is not this is not a case of mission accomplished, right? Mm. Um, I, I, I mean, I want to believe it's true. I want to believe that things are improving. Well, I want to say improving, getting worse economically, but improving from a from a rates and inflation perspective pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, what, what did you think? Were you, were you surprised by the, the announcement? Do, do you think he's flagging the right thing? The, the problem with this stuff is, of course, he's now he's now effectively said we probably will stop, which maybe even is never what he meant to say. But the kind of the court of public opinion, people grab that and run with it pretty fast. Well, this is let, let, let's just clarify a few things here. He never came out and said <laughs> okay. that exactly. Right? right, and this is this is part of the theatre yep. of central banks where. This statement had a slight changing to the wording. So yep. it, it, it said in the previous That's announcement, right. we expect further rate increases. And that I think the subtle change was we expect further tightening. Like, that's it. That's what was said. And everyone's interpreted that. And the RBA knows people are going to be looking at that. But it's kind of, you get, it's, I just find it bizarre because it's kind of like, why are we playing this game? Just come out and speak. 
say it straight, but we kind of say it in this sort of roundabout, loose way or slight true. changes to words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we all look at what the Council of Elders have said. And then, <laughs> you know, this soothsayer sort of in, has their interpretation and this person thinks that. And we all sort of sit there from the peanut gallery and sort of, it, it's just the whole thing, as I've mm. said many times, is is quite bizarre. Um, but yeah, it, it seems as though uh we'll, we'll put it this way the market and the way that mm. you can say what the market yeah, thinks is just yeah. the way that certain instruments are priced yeah, but they exactly. they they see that peak uh, in, interest rates will get to about four percent so another 0.4 or percent call it another that's one or two extra rises to go uh from here um so i i think Yes, probably. And I've been saying it for ages, right? Like they're going to roll over at some point because they have to. It's just, it's just maths, <laughs> it's, which I can go into more detail if you want. But it's just, they just have to do it because otherwise they will literally destroy the housing market and the entire economy with it. So they, right. they, do, have to, they do have to roll over. Um, there's a couple of things to note here. 3.6%, if you went back 10 years, uh, you would consider that a very low rate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've heard people say to me, oh, rates are back at a decade high. And I kind of say, that's because for the last decade they were really low. Really no, it's, low. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. This is some new peak. It's like we just spent ten year, a decade in a valley, and yeah. we went back to sea level and went, "Oh my god, this is high." It's like, no, no, not really. Yep. Yeah. Well, so again, we painted ourselves into a corner. We've got really low unemployment. Growth is pretty good. On a whole, I mean, things can always be better. There's always uh. doom and gloom on the economy <laughs> when you want it. But otherwise, I mean, given given the couple the few years that we've just uh, transition through and all of the dramas in the world, uh, you know, the economy, quote unquote, is doing more or less okay. And uh, why? Sure. Yeah, go on. Well, you know, if we, when when do we, not, quote unquote, normalize rates? Yeah. If if not now, when? Yeah. And you, do, do, do you know what I mean? But, but, but because we got into this mantra of, when I say we, just Australians in general, of lower for longer, we just yeah. thought this was the- And the rest of the, the world too, by the way. Yeah, the new normal. It was the new normal. And so even though it's still at historically very low rates, you're paying 3.5% extra than, than what you what you were last year, all else being equal. So that that's $70 extra a week for every $100,000 uh, in debt. Yep. So if you've got a $500,000 mortgage, that's three hundred and fifty dollars per week. That's eighteen grand extra a year. So it is quite a lot and it oh, yeah. is quite rapid so it's not that the absolute level it's the change in Correct. that level i think is is the is the really interesting um thing there. and the size of the asset on which the loan was taken right so it's you know the, yes, the, the, yes it's, it's the change of three and a half percentage points but three and a half percentage points more than a hundred thousand dollar loan is very different with three and a half percentage points more than a million dollar loan right Abs obviously by definition as you just said but that's it's it's the it's the the proportion of the the speed and the size of the increase multiplied by the change in the asset values, and we're talking about houses, of course, predominantly here. But that's yep. that that combination is exactly why this is so painful. And and look at it two ways. So you can look at it for people with a mortgage debt. What does that mean relative to your expectations? Well, the, the bottom line is it means a, a lot more uh, of your discretionary income is now being being used to, to service that debt. And and as I said, about eighteen k extra a year if you're on a half million dollar mortgage. But even if you're not with a mortgage, mm. but most people aspire to have a mortgage. We've said this before, the calculus tends to be when you go to buy a house, you go to the bank and say, this is what I earn, this is the deposit that I've got, what can I borrow? And they say, you can borrow this much. Now, because of that extra three and a half percent, again, the way the maths works out, so I saw it in the fin the other day, I think it was Rate City who crunched the numbers on average and basically saying borrowing capacity is down 23% from a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
So I'll just, I'll just I'll paint that out a bit more. So that means you haven't got a pay cut, you haven't lost your job, nothing's changed in your situation whatsoever, right? Mm. Everything is exactly the same for you in terms of your outlooks, your savings and everything. But just by virtue of what the bank uh, will lend you, you can now borrow basically a quarter less than what you could. Mm. So so when when you're looking to sell a house, just to point out something very obvious, you need you need someone to buy it. And the people who are going to buy it on average can now afford not 5% less, not 10% less, not 20%, but basically almost 25% less than what than what they could before. Correct. So it's 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 actually it's a very, very significant number. And I sort of said this is I saw a great tweet on um, Twitter the other day too. They had someone said, Well, we're getting ready for the RBA meeting. And there was a boardroom there, a bunch of people around the table, and just a massive elephant in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, I'm not I'm not offering anything uh, unique. Um, this is not an original insight, but it yeah. it's it's property, right? It's the they they I think he will roll, he has to roll because it's just what do you want here? Do you want higher inflation mm. or do you want your life savings to be wiped out and the rest of the economy along with it? And, yeah. and I, think we'll, I think most of us will say we'll have higher inflation, thanks. Yes, uh, though I'd rather have a recession than high inflation, high persistent inflation, which is the, other, which is the mid, oh, midpoint somewhere in this, in this journey. But I really don't want to downplay the severity and significance of of inflation. It is yep. it is it is diabolical. It's just rather than having your arm cut off, you just slowly bleed out. You know, it's it's just a very it's a it's sort of a water torture kind of thing as opposed yeah. to something yeah, totally. more more extreme and instant. So it's it's huge. It's huge. What I love about that, I'll get into my rant in a second. But what I love about that is the the idea is someone cuts your arm off, you know it's a person, you know it's a weapon, and you can be really offended by it, right? Yeah. If you're bleeding slowly out or you have some sort of- internal- You've got a leech on your ankle or something. Right, right. And yeah. you don't notice it's there. And, and, and it's, also, I mean, it's, it's imperfect again, but it just, you know, inflation somehow seems okay because it's not a person deciding to do it, right? Mm. But higher rates are somehow terrible because a bad man in Martin Place in Sydney decides we should pay more for our mortgages. And so <laughs> if he just stopped doing that, everything mm. would be okay again. Mm. And it's kind of like there's just it, it's there is a very and, and look again I'll exempt our listeners from this because they're smart people who are choosing to be informed and inform themselves and God help them if they've come to us for help but there you go that's where we find ourselves mm. uh, but the, just that very idea of of taking the you know the the, the act, act action activity always on on the plus side feels better at least I'm doing something on the other hand when someone does something say well that's terrible they're doing something to me yeah. in, bo- in both cases uh, you know it's not necessarily the fact that it's actually going on. There's, there's just inflation generally, and by the way, fiscal policy, which I'll talk about in a sec too, which are, are important. Mate, let's uh, let's before we do that, go back. Can to I just the say, Jason, oh, a good analogy here, I think, is anyone who's a parent is that sometimes, a lot of the time, you need a bit of tough love, right? Like, kids need to sort of fail and and learn. And if you just go in and try and solve every problem for them, it's actually doing them a great disservice. Yeah. I think there's really an analogy that to be made there in regard to the economy. And just to like sometimes a little bit of, no one likes pain, right? No one does. And I don't want to be flippant about it, but you, you make such an excellent point here is like, well, what kind of pain do you want? And don't, it, it doesn't, it feels a bit sucky now that prices are almost 8% higher than they were a year ago. Yep. But roll that forward for a few years and see how you're feeling. We, we spoke to a CEO at Strawman uh, earlier this week, in fact, and I was just sort of asking him about, you know, what their pricing power was and can you put your price up? He said, yeah, actually, we're going to do that. And he said, actually, funnily enough, we hadn't done it since 2015, so we think we're justified in doing it. And I said, gosh, you know, 2015, it's not that 
long ago, but you know, geez, prices much must be much higher for you guys now. And he said, yeah, actually, I looked it up, twenty seven percent higher due to inflation. Oh, bloody hell! Now this is this is okay. The last year has been pretty gnarly, but for most of that period, inflation wasn't that high. And 2015 wasn't that long ago. Okay, it was eight years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And that is that is the um, that is the pain of inflation is very very real. Now, Mm. when I say pain, for anyone who's saving, it's painful. Anyone who wants to preserve their purchasing power, it's painful. For those with debt, not bad. Mm. It's not bad. And maybe therein lies a bit of a clue as to why uh, it is seen as as a a more favorable alternative because yes, as you say, it sucks for, for a lot of reasons, but the good thing about high inflation mm. is that I'm paying back debt um, in, in deflated dollars. It's just, it's just, it's a much, it's a much, it reduces the debt burden. And when you've got people swimming under a mountain of debt, mm. maybe, maybe that's part of the calculus or am I, am I being too tinfoil hatty? So I think, I think a little bit, mate, I, not because the, the maths is wrong. It's been the case through, generations right so this is not it's not a new thought a new idea and i think you're wrong about the idea i don't think it's tinfoil hatty necessarily i'm not sure and, and tell me if you think i'm wrong because i haven't really thought a lot about this in detail i think that's true as long as your ability to repay keeps up with it so a fixed a, a fixed amount of debt and a rising ability to repay so so think about think about the easy way to think about this is you borrow a house you buy a house i'll pick some numbers for fun half a million dollars when you're 22 right mm-hmm. and you're earning 65 grand a year i'll pick some numbers mm-hmm. In five years' time, the debt is still that same half a million dollars, but mm-hmm. now you're earning 120 grand a year because you've got a couple of pay rises. Mm-hmm. So in that circumstance, that's where borrowing is great for a lot of young people if you're borrowing responsibly because mm-hmm. you borrow, buy an asset in today's dollars and you pay it back in tomorrow's wage dollars, which is exactly mm-hmm. your point, right? That's the idea mm-hmm. of inflation. In this case, we're talking about wage rises, and that's I'll get back to that. I think that that you make a heap of sense. And if I could mm-hmm. absolutely take out a, you know, some debt on, my, on the day I was born and then pay it back when I was 92... I'm going to do very nicely at that. Right now, there's interest on the way, blah, blah, blah. Mm. The only the only area where I think that may potentially fall down is when interest rates are currently 6 percent, uh, when inflation is 7%, but my wage is only up by 2 or 3%. Mm. I'm not only going backwards in real terms for my own living costs, mm. but you know the, the, the rate, the interest rate is higher than my wages are going up. So you kind of, the, the, the ability to repay that, particularly over a long period of time where, where, when interest compounds for 30 years from mortgage or something, mm. isn't as, I don't, I don't think it applies as well because of the way that maths actually rolls out. Mm. If, I could, if I could take a million dollar loan to buy a business today, pay it back in two years time, uh, and I think those, my, I could put my prices up and that would grow my gross profit over that period of time and use that money to pay the, the loan back, it'd be perfectly fine. Mm, mm, but if I bought a million dollars, I bought a business, I put revenue up 10%, but my cost went up 12% over that period of time, uh, I'm actually going backwards. And mm. so, yeah, and by the way, rates are higher because the OBA is trying to control inflation. I'd rather buy, borrow, the, borrow the million dollars at you know 0.1% official cash rate, or you know again, think about the mortgage, mm. borrow at 2%, pay it back without inflation is probably better than borrowing the same million dollars Getting a wage rise of two percent and paying back six percent interest rates. You're right. You're right. So, so under my analysis, it would be with. I mean, this is, tends to happen with inflation, right? We we talk about inflation. People expect inflation. People put prices up. Yeah. It, it creates inflation. Yeah. Yep. It gives wage earners capacity to negotiate for higher salary. You get a higher salary. Yep. But the wash tends to be like. Nothing ever goes back down. This is one of my, yes, another exactly. beef of mine. People go, "Oh, inflation's yeah. rolling over." I mean, I think. Yeah. The the natural interpretation of that is, oh, it's 
prices are going to go back down again. No, 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 no. Prices are never going back down again. Like it just doesn't happen, right? CPI never yeah. goes down sustainably. So what we're talking about is the pace of growth Correct. in, in, in yes. increases sort of going down. But so what, what tends to happen on average over the cycle is, is that prices go up, wages go up, but we're all, we're, we're, it's the red queen effect. We're all running just to stand still. What, what, the number in my bank account isn't really that important. What I can get for that number is what matters. And, and so you're right. So if all else being equal and you've seen more or less your wages go up uh, in, in line mm. with inflation, then yeah. you do want inflation if you've yes, got a exactly. Because yes, it's, exactly. it's great. But you, it's yes. an important caveat. It's an important caveat that you make. It's almost, it's almost thinking about, it, it, you know, from a company, but also individual perspective, it's thinking about the profit, you know, what's left over the excess. Yeah. If you can, if you can, if you can have wages go up or revenue go up from a company perspective and you can keep your costs, either personal costs or business costs under control, that's beautiful because that's when you get the ex- increased ability yes. to pay back that yeah. do not, that that you know fixed amount of debt, which doesn't go up with inflation. That's a beautiful way to be able to, to tackle mm-hmm. that kind of issue. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. I, said, I don't I don't don't disagree with the, the idea. It's, it's it's been the story of governments in particular. Government debt in particular is great at this because governments can generally increase taxes and taxes go up because tax revenue goes up because people get more wages. The old bracket creep. Let's not get into that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we can, I suppose. Uh, but you know that, that that absolutely helps governments pay off debt for sure. That's a really really great way governments inflate Massive. away their own debt. Yeah, uh, it, it turns out it works better for governments than for wage earners. And I don't really want to stoke the conspiracy fires today with our listeners, but um, <laughs> it, it just is the case, right? Because governments tend to be able to control those things differently. Uh, yeah. And so if you get meaningful long term inflation, those debts will get inflated. Not away away feels like goes to zero, but inflated down, which sounds like an oxymoron. Um, it's just easier to pay those. And again, if you're collecting the same tax revenues, that's probably a good thing for, for governments. Less so, or less obviously so, for households, I think. And somewhere in between businesses, is that, is that the right sort of structure? Yeah, I mean, it depends how it all, all washes out. I just, I just wanted to put that, that nugget that's a really out good there. Point. Yeah, there, yeah. Is, there is that silver lining of inflation from a certain vantage point for certain parties. Um, do you know, by the way, completely, mm. we'll sort of, not really relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. The, the best popular culture reference in inflation is, uh, I think it's one of the Austin Powers movie where Dr. <laughs> Evil's defrosted and he holds yes, the world to ransom right. and he asks for a $1 million ransom. <laughs> they just yeah, yeah. They burst out laughing in the war room. It's like, uh, you know, because that, that's inflation. That's yeah, inflation totally. right there, yep. you know? Yep. And it's sort of like, I, I remember as a kid thinking, yep. oh, wow, that person's a millionaire. They're so rich. Oh, like, I know. You can't even get an average home in Sydney for a million dollars anymore, you know? A million dollars was was untouchable wealth. I mean, you never had to work again. Now it's like, I could buy you two-thirds of a house in a West Sydney. <laughs> yeah, not even. <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? Not even. No wonder the lotto jackpots have to keep going up. Oh. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, I, I don't know, maybe you should be buying lotto companies. So let me, let me just uh, completely off the top of my head think about an idea here. Maybe that's the beauty of of the lotteries, right? Because we still feel like we want to buy a ticket to win a million dollars. That's still the amount that old people like us think we want to win. Yeah. And so lottery companies get to do jackpots. Get a ticket for the million dollar jackpot. It's like, oh yeah, I'll do that. So are we are we more likely now to do it, even though it doesn't? It's not worth as much. Speaking of inflation, maybe maybe the jackpots get inflated away, but <laughs> we don't realize the lottery companies make a small fortune selling tickets. Yeah, yeah. No, not not getting out of bed for less than a million. Um, <laughs> Fair. Uh, uh, here's You're the other thing. You're yeah, exactly. Um, you know me, I'm renting, I'm living the life, you know, hashtag winning. <laughs> I have made it. 
um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to raise in terms of interest rates Please. and get your thoughts on was that you, you said right at the start there that after that announcement this week, the Aussie dollar fell and you said yeah. that's what it should do. Um, I'll, I'll get you to, to flesh that out a little bit, but, but I wanted to make a contrast here. So we are at 3.6%. Uh, the Kiwis are at 4.75%. Bank of England is at 4%. Bank of Canada is at 4.5%. The US is at 4.6%. They're expected to top out at 5.5%. So Look at you with all the research. I, I, you show I, me up. Well done. I, I, I did. I actually noted. I read this and not this. This made me I'll look prepared. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Um, so what is that? I mean, and so what? Okay. They're the facts. Why did the Aussie dollar fall? So. There is no, first thing I'm going to say, there's no science about exchange rates, right? There is, there is no direct causal link that science would say, yes, that, that must happen. That's what happens. That's why it happens and all that sort of stuff. Anything with economics, remember, whenever, including us, by the way, when we try to explain something, we're generally explaining how behavior tends to follow data, generally speaking, right? And it can change at a moment's notice. A different orthodoxy could take over and everything could be very, very different. Yep. Generally speaking, so here's the thing. If you've got capital, if you've got a buck, Let's say it's a US dollar for fun to start now. You can do whatever you want with that money. You can invest it. You can spend it. You can invest it in shares. You can invest it in treasury bonds. You can invest it potentially in Australian shares or Australian government bonds. Mm -hmm. You can buy Australian property with it. You can do whatever you wanted to do with that American dollar. The way you're going to think about what you want to do with that money is is how attractive the idea is, either at home or abroad. Mm -hmm. Now, the more attractive the Australian property idea is, let's use Australian property for fun because we were talking about that, you're going to buy more Australian dollars. If everyone all of a sudden wants to buy Australian property, everyone's going to buy Australian dollars. That pushes up the demand supply, more demand for the same amount of Australian dollars. Don't get, it, don't get into uh, money printing right now. Think <laughs> <of this page. laughs> uh, the, the, same, the same demand, oh, sorry, more demand for the same supply pushes the price of currency up. It works exactly the same mm-hmm. as goods and services. So that's the first thing. So, so it's de- supply and demand is, is the kind of starting point. That's why the, the currencies are different to start with. It's 60-something mm-hmm. Australian a US cents for an Australian dollar, for example, what was it 40p or something? Those that's that's how we get to this point. And then in terms of changes over time, the two things that are most often cited as reasons for currencies to move are, and these are all relative, right? Because currency is a relative measure, not an absolute measure, are uh, rates of economic growth and relative interest rates. So if the US is going to go faster than Australia, you should expect more people want to be in the US market than the Australian market. If you're going to get a better return in the US, you're going to go there. If there's a better return in Australia, you're going to go here. Again, more demand supply. So that changes the the rate of demand and that should push prices up or down. The next one, the one that matters this week was interest rates. And that's that's a very simple one. Think about two different bank accounts. Commonwealth Bank's paying you 3% uh, and NAB is paying you 4%. You take your money out of the Commonwealth Bank at 3%, you put it in NAB at 4 because you want the higher interest rate, right? The same is also true of currencies. So when the market saw Governor Lowe's comment to say, actually, or perceived his comment to be, actually, we may not raise rates, a lot of people went, oh, hang on. That means the future Australian interest rate is going to be lower than we thought. Mm. So relative to the US, it's now less attractive than we expected it to be. Mm. Does that make, have I explained it well enough, mate? So if you think about, okay, you know, where do I want my money? I think about, I've got it in Commonwealth Bank now. I'm assuming Commonwealth Bank is going to increase it from three to three and a half. But all of a sudden, CBA says, yeah, we might not. Mm. Now I'm thinking, well, uh, oh, okay. Well, I had it here because that's what I thought was going to happen. Now mm. now it's less attractive to have it in CBA. 
Now it's more attractive to have it in NAB. I'm going to put my money there. Again, that reduces the demand for Australian dollars. It increases the demand for US dollars. So in a relative sense, it pushes the Australian dollar down against the US dollar. And that's what happened on Tuesday when the announcement was made. Yep. yep. Thanks. Thanks for that. So let me pose you a question here. You've got a, you've got a million dollars. I've always been sucked into a, uh, a trap here. Are you about to... No, no, no. Okay, no, okay. I just, it just, you got <laughs> me thinking. Okay, I'm going to give you enough uh, rope, Phillips, then I'm going to hang you with it. Go on. Uh, well, I'll ask you this. If you go to Argentina right now, you can get, the official interest rate there is, I think it's 100%. <laughs> God. I think it's, depending on what you want to do, yeah. the repos rates are at 72%, whatever. The, the, the interest rate is insane. In other words, I can put 100 bucks there and probably get anywhere between, and probably get another 100 bucks within a year in interest. So why don't we all just pull our money out of Australia, where I'm getting bugger all, and go into Argentina and, and, and get those kinds of interest rates? So some people do. And some people will make a lot of money. Other people will lose their entire shirt because Argentina could simply stop paying its interest and potentially Never. not even give you your money back. <laughs> yeah, happen- it's is, happened a lot. Yeah, a lot of times. Uh, Russia's defaulted three times, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the, this And there is a similar- The US has defaulted too. Uh, really? Not in recent times. Yeah, it's okay. absolutely. Well, that was in go. 1971. They just basically said to the rest <laughs> of the world, you can't redeem for gold anymore. We're oh, that, yeah, that's right. The gold standard thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, different sort of default, but and well worth going to, but not today. Yeah. So uh, here's the other thing is, uh, by the way, this is one of those two good to be true things, right? If you if someone uh, got you on the, on the side of the street corner and said, hey, mate, give me a hundred bucks, give you $115 back tomorrow. You might go 15%. A day, that's pretty good. Okay, mm. I'll take that deal. Mm. Most of you shouldn't because most of you would say, I don't know who you are. I don't know whether you're going to pay me back. I don't know how good you are for the loan or what you do with the money. That sounds like a stupid, even a 15% daily return, best return you'll be get offered ever, yeah. getting offered it and getting paid at two very different things. Yeah. Uh, plenty of examples, so-called junk bonds or high yield bonds in the US. Again, companies in massive trouble, you can get some really nice yields, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15%, right? If you get paid back at all. Mm. And so you are absolutely, risk is not return. People say risk and return is are correlated. They kind of are a little bit sometimes, not always. So that's a different investing angle. But yeah, it's it, the, the answer is, as you know, um, you want to be careful what risk you're taking to get the return you're looking for. I, I, would, I would rather have an Australian government 3.5% than an Argentinian 100%. Not because the interest rate doesn't look attractive. And if I got the money from Argentina, of course, I'd take it. But taking that risk that I not only don't get the, the, the return, the interest return, I may lose my entire capital yeah, that puts the whole thing, you know, a much much stronger focus. By the way, the other the other reason I should say quickly is back to exchange rates. You're getting paid in Argentine pesos. I was going to say, yeah. And so, what is what are those pesos worth by the time they pay you back? Is the other problem because well, here's the other data point. Back. Here's no. the other data point I missed is that the year on year inflation is ninety eight point eight percent. There you go. Right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it all, it all it all comes into the calculus, though, right? And yes, and, 100%. and and the other the other. By the way, by the way, let's not pick on poor Argentina um, <laughs> and the Latin American countries uh, places. Yeah. There's there's actually defaults are actually more the norm statistically speaking yeah. in terms of yeah. different geographies. But let's say you were you're not that silly, um, and you bought a UK government gilt. What the, it's, it's it's the gold standard yes. of 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 fixed interest investments in the UK. Do you UK. want to explain it's, why they're called gilts? Do you know because in the old days yeah. they they were a certificate and they yep. were they had a gilt edge. Isn't that cool? Of, I love isn't that. that. I love it. Yeah, it's yep. really cool. 
It's, it's why the, I think it's like uh, there's a lot of terms that, that have uh, historical meaning. Like blue yeah. chip is one that people yes. will be familiar with. I think it was the colors of the gambling chips on the riverboat casinos back in the Correct. day. And it was Correct. sort of like the highest value chip. And therefore, it's sort of like, well, that's the highest value shares of mm-hmm. the blue, so-called blue chip uh, shares. Anyway, so you could have bought one of these, right? 30-year maturity, getting half a percent. By the way, in hindsight, yeah. are you crazy? Did you just lock your money up for 30 years in return for yeah. half a percent a year over a 30-year right? period? Actually, yeah, a lot of people did. They're big swathes of the pension industry. Like, it just boggles the mind. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a safe investment. We're told again and again and again, super safe, government bonds, how do you go wrong? Well, you're never yeah. getting your money back on that. I mean, but, but let me clarify. If you, if you can wait 30 years, you will get your money back <laughs> and you will get half a percent uh, each year. But uh, that, that money that you put in is going to be worth so significantly less after 30 years. We've already said how, how pernicious um, uh, inflation mm. is. But if you want to sell now and get your money back, well, those bonds have fallen 40% in value. So you've taken right, right. one of the lowest quote-unquote risk investments yeah. you can and you've <laughs> and just lost evaporated <laughs> close to half of your money yeah. in, in one of the most established, safe sovereigns in the world. Mm. Um, so it's just... But anyway, anyway, it's just a bizarre. I, I think sometimes we need to sort of keep keep those things in mind. That's a good point. Really good point. The other thing I, I've got to refresh my numbers on this, mm. but you might be able to remind me, is that if you're looking at the what Low and Co are doing and 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 trying to work out what that means for your mortgage, well, obviously that's a, that's yeah. what you're going to do. But the the major banks get a significant part of their funding. On overseas yeah. markets, yeah, they really so, do. So they're paying. Doesn't matter what the RBA is saying. Are the over, we'll, we'll give you this on the overnight rate. No, it's like, well, I'm, I'm actually, I've actually borrowed. I've sold bonds into the international market, and I've been forced to do it at these rates because I'm competing against. You know, it's a global market. I'm competing. That's what the against, yep. or, or, that's what it is. Yep. And so RB, uh, CBA, NAB, ANZ, all of them, at some point, I suspect, will increase out of cycle. And they will increase out of cycle and politicians will shake their fists and everyone will go, oh, it's so unfair. It's like, well, no, that's how they're structured. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they will say, well, actually, our cost of funding has gone up. Now, they will, do, they will charge as much as they can get away with. They're right. all bastards. I'm not trying to say that they're not. But, <laughs> but that, is, that, is, that is another p- part of, yeah. of that calculus that, that you real. really, need, really need to factor in. Do you know what the number is? Like how much do the, on average, the major banks get from I haven't, overseas? Again, like you, I haven't seen it recently, mate. The number I had quoted to me was around 40% on average across the majors, yes, much less across amount. the regionals because they just don't have the, the balance sheets to do it. Yep. Um, but but a large minority is my understanding. Yep. And so when you've I, got- It may have changed the U- last few years, by the way, because a lot's changed the last few years, but I, I believe it's still something like that, but I don't, don't quite. I mean, it could be it could be 10 percentage points either way for all I know. Yep. And in fact, speaking of reading um, central bank tea leaves, so uh, <laughs> we've sort of tried to interpret Philip Lowe's comments as actually we, we will roll sooner. But then Powell over in the US sets the risk- is, this gentleman and his colleagues sets a risk-free rate <laughs> for the world. Yeah. Let that sink in. Yeah. Um, uh, done a spectacular job, obviously. Um, uh, uh, they have actually come out and said, they've hinted, indicated, um, suggested that actually, no, we might go a bit harder than, than what, well, what we were previously yeah. thinking. So that's and, very And actually much well. more than suggested and hinted, kind of you know, effectively yep. implied. It's, it's, it's no guarantees and low did, well, low. Powell did wind that back only last night. Oh, we might not have to. Uh, but that was the other thing. So, and so let me get to that because you asked about interest rates and exchange rates before. Yeah. Here's the other problem is 
the Australia say we might pause. The Yankees we might go harder. Mm. The Aussie dollar lost two percent in a single trading day uh, earlier this week. Now it's huge. Two percent. Well, that's right, right. Two percent is not normally a big deal. Like you know, share fall or raise that much all the time, and it's not a, not a big deal necessarily in the currency markets. That's massive. Um, and and here's the thing, and this is the other part. Why this is the other reason why Low has got something of a not exactly a weight tied around his around his feet, but but not far off it because. Let's say the US increases rates and we don't. That pushes the Australian dollar down. Now, again, people probably aren't super familiar with this. This is a bit of an economic kind of nerdiness, but it's worth talking about. If that happens, the lower the Australian dollar is, the more expensive it is for Australians to buy imported products. Oh, but we make most of our stuff here, so that's not that's not a problem, right? Thank you. So the, uh, <laughs> the, the reality is that we actually will end up having a higher imported inflation on top of what's already the... So think about think yep. about the global price of any anything. Uh, we'll talk about manufactured cars, right? We're talking about making stuff. Um, yep. The price of a Toyota, I know it's in US dollars, probably not, but work with me here, um, mm. you know, it might cost, I don't know, 30000 Australian dollars to import, right, for the dealer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the dollar falls, the car then becomes more expensive. It might cost thirty two or thirty five or thirty six thousand dollars to import, mm-hmm. which gets passed on to the buyer, which means prices go up again because of just the change in the exchange rate. Now, yep. those, those products are probably already going up in price because of general global inflation, but it mm-hmm. makes our inflation problem worse. So this is the other problem Governor Lowe's got. He's not just thinking about the rates and the impact on domestic demand, but also mm-hmm. the impact of effectively imported product prices. Now, I will yep. say just for the sake of finishing the conversation, lower the lower country is great for our exporters. So it's, great not, it's, not, a, it's not necessarily right. It's, yeah, it's not necessarily yep. a net negative. It can be depending on your mix of, of trade. But wheat, uh, tourism, education, oil, um, oil uh, gas, yep. iron ore, yeah, yep, yeah, gold. Uh, so you know there there are really really good things about it as well. There, there's never a, there's always a, there's always a you know an, an offsetting not necessarily offsetting one for one two but, sides you know, to every coin basically. exactly right thank yeah. you so yeah. uh, it's also worth thinking about that so lots and lots of moving parts the problem is of course that while we import the extra inflation the, the we don't really export the we don't get the kind of deflationary benefit of lower wheat prices to the rest of the world we get more volume and that's really great because it's good for you know, economic activity except right now. Well, Governor Lowe's not exactly trying to get more economic activity. He's also trying to restrain things, right? So yeah. we're importing higher prices and we're adding demand to the economy and we're trying to do everything else at the same time. It's, it's a very, 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 very difficult combination of, uh, of issues. Well, uh, again, and, go on. And, and it's a bit more complicated too because it's like we saw it with gas, right? So it sort of doesn't really matter what we're able to do it for. International markets will in, impact the price here. So if you're able to get better prices for your wheat or whatever it is that you're exporting... Right. Uh, because of favorable exchange rate movements. And it, it actually can sort of hurt you as well if, if it limits supply to the domestic market because people are not just getting better. I'm just getting better value when I sell it overseas. Yep, totally, totally. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, Tom, I want to, I want to go on a very quick rant. Will you... Will you uh... Will you humor me for a I'm minute? I'm looking forward to it. I'm, All right. Absolutely. I, I let me get you. my popcorn. <laughs> so, <laughs> in, in reply, I'm gonna I'm gonna almost read my tweets word for word because I kind of I just went and then bashed out about ten tweets in a row. To which someone replied, "Did someone take your morning coffee, Scott?" And they didn't. <laughs> I had my morning coffee, but I just got the absolute egg brits about this thing. That's rhyming slang for anyone who wants to do it. If there's kids, don't explain it to them. Um, because the the. There is a very large narrative right now. We've talked a lot about central banks. There's a huge narrative that somehow Governor Lowe is evil incarnate. 
He's out of touch. He doesn't understand. Doesn't he know what he's doing to working families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is just absolute 100% rolled gold codswallop. It is complete trash, right? Lowe is not like, oh, and if I realized that was going to actually hurt people, I'd stop raising rates. We just talked for the first half of the episode about the rates and inflation problem, right? Is mm. it's, it's a crappy thing to have to choose. Do I have rates or inflation? There is no door three. There is no, oh, no, Lowe should have chosen the one where there's no higher rates or higher inflation. That would be much better. Yeah, good idea. And it just, it, there, are, there are shock jocks and journos and, and people on Twitter, frankly, and others who are just targeting Lowe. Like, it's just, it's stupid, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope, I'm going to pretend, I'm going to choose to believe they don't know any better because they're not trained economists. I'm going to assume they just don't realize. Let's let's go with that because, you know, I'll be generous. Here's what I tweeted. <laughs> we need to stop this RBA governor is out of touch rubbish. Sustained high inflation is much worse than temporarily high or higher interest rates. Do you want his head on, the, on a pike for looking after the country? Yet you're not taking the police to task for fiscal policy. Yeah, yeah. What would you have low do? Let inflation run rampant? It's not like there's a good choice and a bad choice. There are only two bad choices. One is slightly less bad. That's where we are. Any RBA governor would, and by the way, every central bank head is, putting up rates to curb inflation. It is the only option unless you want to make the country even poorer. Now let's turn to the pollies. Under the last few governments, structural budget balance that probably would have run surpluses in the last year or so, has been jettisoned. If there'd been structural balance, the economy would have been would have been cooled. Instead, it's running a deficit, actually adding to demand. And the last government? Well, they reportedly told APRA to cut the loan buffer, meaning people borrowed more at record low rates. That's just dumb. They responsibly supported the economy during COVID, but put no plans in place to recover the debt accrued as a result. They had no plans for deficit reduction, instead aiming to pass yet more tax cuts. Stage three, on top of stages one and two. They would further juice an overheated economy. And the current mob, well, they don't get a free pass either. They might have inherited a poison chalice, but that's called government. As the incumbent government, they have a responsibility to govern appropriately. They get a tick for not opening the floodgates, but did almost nothing to fix the problems. Of course, it's not only domestic. There are huge global issues. But the idea of policy is to do what you can to minimize the bad stuff. Low made mistakes on the way in. Rates should have been higher and they should have been raised more quickly. But the amount of attention he's getting compared to the lack of interest, effort or focus on the current and past fiscal policies is pretty irresponsible for those who should know better and who have the megaphones. Yes, people are hurting. It sucks. No one wants this to be the case, but here we are. The RBA is doing the least worst thing it can. The pollies are doing all but nothing. And the macro environment is unkind. So here we are. And remember, most cost of living relief would just be more money to spend in the economy, which would work directly against the RBA and would make the deficit worse. We absolutely need to look after people who are in dire straits because of higher rates and higher inflation. But we should be also be using other tools to slow the economy. And I'm done. Yep. yep. I mean, I, I just strong... Strong agree. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not any great fan of central bankers, as you know. Yep. Absolutely. But it's just the media. It's just cynical, right? Like, it's about. Again, I'll put my tinfoil hat on. Where is it? Here it is. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's. It, it it needs a villain, right? 
So you're in pain. Yep. I need someone to point right. to. Yes, exactly. Who can I? Yeah, right. Who can I do? I'm going to click on that. It's going to get engagement. It's going to get shared. That's, that's how religions get started, right? So someone responsible yeah. for the bad stuff and someone to ask for good stuff. It's yep. you know, you need someone to very blame. human. And yep. and I mean, it's just it's just very convenient. So as we've said, the problem for these guys is they got one lever. I mean, policymakers on the fiscal side can do so many things. So our kids are back to school for the latest term. I got some, uh, essentially some free school shoes. Uh, they're doing, got the creative kids vouchers in New South Wales. We get all this free money from the state government. <laughs> so uh, you kind of yeah. think, I'll take it. Thanks for that. But it wasn't like, oh, you, you know, you're doing it tough. So you need it. It's just like, no, you can have, you can have $20 trillion and you're still going to get those. It's like the amount of dumb policy that is out there. I think the important caveat you sort of said there is, is that, we absolutely do need to, to to look after people who are in 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 tough circumstances, but when it's when it's stimulus that's unnecessary, like that is just pure, just pure, I don't know what what it is, madness, I suppose. So yeah, I think I think I think I think I think it's also a question of um, it's not about what's right or what's correct. It's what's the easiest sales message and what's going to get us reelected. Yeah. Anytime, any, anytime that you look to make any big structural changes to things, uh, there, mm. th there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And often the people who need to be the losers are also the ones the most well-equipped to fight, <laughs> to fight it. Yes. Lobbyists yeah, exactly. and, and the rest of it. So, exactly. We just, we, you know, you just keep your head down. You promise mm -hmm. more. You, here's more stuff for you, less pain for you, and you get, and you get reelected. And again, it's like back to that parenting idea. I mean, sometimes you need a little bit of tough love. And there are some things that, yeah. a lot of things that, that we could do that would really take the pressure off the RBA uh, and really, really put us on firm footing for the next, for the next mm -hmm. decade or two. Look at, look at the, some of the, look at this, and this always gets pointed to, but look at some of the, the big changes that the Hawke-Keating government brought in that are now looked back on across both sides of the aisle as just like, you know, floating the dollar, superannuation, like a whole bunch of stuff that they just sort of did, which yep. were you know, a little, little bit controversial at the time, but it just actually <laughs> underpinned a huge amount of yeah. wealth creation. I'm not trying to yeah. say that as a, as a supporter of one side of politics or the other, but it's just, it's a really good example of long-term thinking that has had massive payoff and unfortunately yeah. i just don't think we have that that long-term vision or 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 um preparedness to make harder decisions even when they're clearly yeah. the right decision do you know i think that's true mate i i can't remember politics aside I, I can't remember either party talking about so if you go back you and i were lucky to grow up in the 80s when there's a lot going on like just being able to kind of be part of that history was really really cool mm. and i get that probably at the end of that we got some sort of policy fatigue and that's, that's real to some degree. If people don't want to vote for it, you can argue about whether the police should do it anyway or whether they should educate us and what our role is as, as voters. But there might have been some. The last big change policy-wise we saw was the GST in 2000. In terms of really big proper changes. Mm. I can't remember the last time we had a national conversation, and that sounds like a, a wanky way to put it, but I, I guess I don't, I don't just mean politicians. I mean politicians, commentators, journos, whatever about say productivity, for example, or mm. competition policy, or industry policy, or manufacturing policy, or mm. you know, some of those things that were, they were really like, think about the changes, you know, floating the dollar, um, you know, deregulating a, a lot of industries, the wage prices accord of the early 80s, which we probably should come back to. I've talked about that. Tim Harcourt did a great article on the conversation of that. Google Tim Harcourt, the conversation and wage price spiral or something, wage price accord. You'll find it. 
really, really thought-provoking article about, you know, do we need something again like that? They were really serious policy hard hits, like for, and, and on both sides, right? And often different opposing policies. So it's not that it's not that one party's policies was right, the other was wrong, or that you know I, I wish I wish one or the other would win or do something. It's that neither party is really talking about it. In fact, the last PM effectively said, "Yeah, well, people don't really want any more change. I've got no big agenda for the for the country." And you kind of think, you know, economists are saying productivity is our biggest challenge right now. I think it probably is um, because it's, pol- it's it's productivity that that makes the difference over and above population growth. The only way you grow an economy is through increased productivity. It's the way the maths works. Again, we won't get into the the analogy of what's going on there, but uh, so I won't try and explain it in too much detail. But basically, you know, I, I can consume as much stuff as I get paid to consume. How do I how do I raise my standard of living? Well, if my dollars go further because I can get something cheaper because it's easier and quicker to make, or because I can do more with it, or whatever those things are, those productivity improvements are just not there. And there's no there's zero there's just zero serious policy about kind of making the country better. And I don't even necessarily mean in a in a Pollyanna way of you know rainbows and sunshine. I mean a really really economically specific stuff of let's make sure we do this thing so that the country will improve because of this there's just there's zero of that economically it's um it's a little bit maddening quite honestly Mm. yeah i think we we sort of seem to trend towards the lowest common denominator i mean some some things are a lot of things are nuanced and and not obvious and complicated frankly and when you're talking about fiscal and monetary policy it kind of falls in that camp you know oh, and yeah. and it's just it's just too easy to go on facebook as a journalist find someone who's doing it tough do a big sob story and then point to a bell and it's like yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's a bigger context here, and and those stories know. are worth telling. By the way, as I know you've said before, and not, we're not saying it's one or the other. It's like let's walk and chew gum. Have, have yeah. a look at people who are struggling and actually do something to fix the fundamental underpinnings of the economy, so that things improve over time. Like you know, what, when when the young blokes, you know, our sons asked your daughter, asked dad, what, what did you, what did you know what, what was the government doing during the during the 2020s to, to make my life and Mikey's lives better? Nothing. We argued about superannuation and blamed Phil Lowe for problems. Like, and really? made sure that you yeah. could never buy a house, son. Uh, <laughs> we did whatever we could. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% yeah. agree. I guess, look, there's nothing that's going to be changed from this podcast, but yeah. it just, it's just worth making that mention because I, I, I can empathize. I mean, we're all doing it tough, right? Yeah. Like, just, yeah. We just are. And I get people are angry. I Prices get, are up. I get, rates are up. There's no, no know, one's doing any better. Here's someone who said that rates weren't going to increase for 2024. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. And it's just, yeah, but it's just, <laughs> and I'm not trying to make any apologies for it, but I just, I feel as though we are so myopic in this yeah. one individual that yeah. that it is just, not that he should not be part of of, of the focus, but it's just like, there's there's other people who can do a lot more. And it just just bear that in mind when you when you go to the, to the polling booth. Can I, I love that, yeah. Can I say this too, mate? Um, today's problems are, were caused 10 years ago yeah. and 2020, 2033 problems are being caused today. Yeah. So it, it's one thing to say, well, we've got a problem right now. Let's talk about that. And that's natural and human nature and whatever. I'm going to say you and I, hopefully are people who care a little bit more about policy and about the future. And I'm going to say also that the people listening to this podcast, we hope are, are thoughtful, you know, smart people who are also caring more about just more than just about today. Doesn't mean today doesn't matter. Doesn't mean you don't solve today's problems, but we have the opportunity to put the plans in place to make sure 20, 2033 is better than today, right? And oh, it's a Buffett quote, right? If you're sitting in the shade today, it's right? because someone planted a tree 20 years ago. You know, the, uh, uh, you know I love the Buffett quote. And I'm a little bit sad to say that it, it, it's a, it's a, we stole it from somebody else. It's an old proverb. Uh, I, what is that? It's ah. Greek or Roman. I can't remember. Okay. Well, it's and a lot of wisdom. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and quote it directly, which is a society grows great 
when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they will not sit. Oh, love that. Is that, love and, that. And, and yeah. I got to say, like, I have a, I have a, I actually have the Buffett quote on, on a t-shirt, which I, which I quite love. But mm. uh, the, the the actual original quote's much much better. It, it's, a, it's a really, yeah. it's a, it's a lovely quote. So, uh, yeah. but you're right, mate. But that's what I'm saying. Look, I don't, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not geniuses and superheroes and whatever. And I don't want to say I'm better than anybody else, but. What, what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do is talk about the fact that we should solve today's problems, but also plan for making tomorrow better. You know, and I, I think we, we lose that when we complain about the you know, stuff that's going on right now. We want to get fill those head on a pike. And you, the other thing that was the, the half price mortgage palaver that went on. Um, mm. it, 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 it's just not the story. You know, it's not the mm. story. Should it be right or not? I don't know. Have that conversation, sure. But yeah. it's, it's being used to paint Phil Lowe as this bad, out of touch millionaire living in his mansion who doesn't care about the people. It's just, it could nothing be further. From, if he didn't care about that, he'd go get triple the thing work for Goldman Sachs or Macquarie, right? Like mm. he's there to try and help the economy prosper. That's that's specifically what he's there for. That's why you do a job in central banking for thirty years. That's you know, yeah. but better or worse, that's why you do this stuff. Yeah. Not because well, you want to maximize well, the. Well, the pay. Him out if you want, but the other person's going to do the same thing, so, right? That's the thing, know. and every other central banker is as well. It's like he's not, he's not Robinson Crusoe. Yeah. Yep. I agree, man. Oh, I agree. Mate, it's, we, it's, we need to. It's maddening. But if you talk about like trying to think ten years ahead, we can't think one year ahead. Just, oh, just one God. example. Again, I'm not not trying to favor any Go particular on. side here, but you know, um, there was a particular uh, minister in charge of sort of energy policy for ten years. Just made a complete <laughs> dog's breakfast of it. Loses yeah. the election. Electricity prices are all up, and all of this yep. stuff stuff that was in train for a long time, <laughs> yeah, and then right. has the gall to turn around and go, look what Labor have done. It's just. It's maddening, and it's not—it's not maddening that that is what the strategy is. What's maddening is that it works. You know, yeah. you kind of thing. And again, it's not—it's not to have a go at any one individual or party. It's like anyone could have said that. It's just like it just doesn't line up with reality. And once you divorce yourself from reality, I mean, yeah. what's, what's the point of having a debate if we can't have a shared set of facts that we yeah. can at least all agree on? You know, so it—it's—it's it's depressing. <laughs> it's depressing. Um, <laughs> Yes, that you, mate, you're, you're exactly right. The, the the energy crisis of today has its roots 10, 15, even yep. 20 years ago. And, yep. and it's not just one side of politics necessarily, but it was it's parliaments, plural, who have been unable to resolve an energy policy that we can actually all agree to so that businesses can make investments or not, all that kind of stuff can happen. AGL's Liddell plant is being closed next month, right? Mm. Yep. Basically, because it's not making any money anymore. And governments had the chance to either solve that problem for AGL and Liddell and the rest of us or replace it with something else. But instead, we're, we're literally caught in the chasm of, well, coal used to be profitable. Yeah, well, renewables aren't yet the solution. Well, guess what, guys? We're down at the bottom of the valley here looking up at both of you saying, well, thanks very much. You oh, know, glad you had a fun argument, but you know, now we're going to have higher energy prices, probably potentially some sort of energy rationing in 2024, apparently, because yeah. it's just, it's like- and it didn't come out of nowhere. Job. You had right? one job. Exactly. It's been, yeah, it's 10, 15, been, 20 like, years. People yeah. have yeah. seen it on the horizon. This is what frustrates me as well, is that when you look at those problems that were created all those years ago, the people in the know at the time were saying, we need to do this. We need to yeah. do this. Yeah. You know, where there's going to be a problem, we need to sort of act now. And, and again, just I always think to defer to the engineers, right? The yeah, problem yeah. solvers that have to work within the confines of the physical laws of the universe. <laughs> it's not it's not a question. You can't you can't get a bridge right. to stay up because you've got a more <laughs> a, a nicer ideological <laughs> argument. Do you know? And 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 people who run the by the way, electricity grids are just so phenomenally complex. So we take yeah, it for yeah. granted, we flick a switch, but like they yeah. they are absolute monsters and highly tech anyway. A lot of specialists there have got a whole range of really good solutions that have been there on the shelf. But some of them, again, a little bit politically unpalatable. Well, uh, I guess it, it's more that the 
there was a risk. Some of the things that needed to happen risked some uh, entrenched mm. parties' uh, positions. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's not good good for us as individuals, even though we might represent 0.001% of the population. And then when the, the politicians get involved and it all gets it all gets messed up. So well, we know exactly, you, you speak to the people in the know, they'll tell you exactly what needs to happen. And they'll give you, mm. you know, five or six really good alternative options as to how that will fix. Mm. As with any change, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. But in all the ones that put forward, I think like as a whole, it's just like the, the pros outweigh the cons so much. And yet we've decided to do nothing, deny reality, and and we're facing higher prices anyway. <laughs> do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Sort of like in all this resistance to do what needs to be done, we still came out. We we're like we we we're still suffering. You know. Anyway, it's crazy, mate. Let's let's finish with a bit of business news. <laughs> Get it or something. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, I hope our listeners <laughs> enjoyed it as well. Oh, actually, before I do that, speaking of conversations, I occasionally give our other podcast, The Good Oil, a plug. I'm going to do it again today, partly because. Um, I like it partly because I want people to listen to it, partly because I had a really great conversation. I think I mentioned this last week, but it's out now with Cameron Murray, who is an independent economist. Um, and I, he and I were invited to join the Aussie Firebug podcast. Uh, Matt runs that one. It's a good podcast, lots of fun. Uh, he basically just asked us to come on and talk about super. We both have reasonably firm views on super. We don't agree on a lot of stuff, although what you will, I think, appreciate is the stuff we do agree on and that we have different outcomes for. And this is... I'm going to say I'm going to give myself a wrap, but not not deliberately. You talked about you know reasonable debates about facts and, and ideas, and, and actually kind of some sort of well, you didn't do it. I'll, I'll say you implied some sort of good faith. Uh, we we sat down and talked about super, and we have very mm. different views on super, how it should work, how it should you know all that kind of stuff. Um, it was a really, really, really fun conversation to be part of. I didn't host it, as I said, I, I was just part of the uh, part of the conversation. Uh, but uh, really, really great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Some really interesting ideas. Some of Cameron's ideas I don't agree with, but you should listen anyway because they're interesting. You may actually think he's right and I'm wrong, and that's completely fine. In fact, that's great. Mm. You know, I uh, more people should be less interested in winning and more interested in, in finding the best idea, right? Mm. So if, if ideas are wrong, if you, if you listen to this and go, I thought Phillips was right. Turns out Cameron Murray's right. Great. Love it. I'd rather you be engaged and have a view in good faith that's different to mine then either take my stuff for granted or not be engaged at all or just barrack for mm. your own side, your own self-interest. So please have a listen to The Good Oil. Uh, download the podcast. Uh, it was published a couple of days ago. So check that out. Really, really good. Uh, cool. Mate, this week, Maya, poor old Maya, poor old dead and dying Maya, the business that was headed for the scrap heap, doubled its profits on the back of a 24% increase in sales. I have been someone who said, I wouldn't buy my shares. If I owned them, I'd sell them. I haven't been covered in glory this week. Uh, certainly the, uh, the the story, the profit story, and the 14% share price increase on Thursday say I've been very, 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 very wrong. What do you make of, of the potential recovery of Maya? Yeah. Um, I will reserve judgment, but... <laughs> but- I mean, look, credit where it's due, they they look as though they, let me start again. They had every possibility to remain a massively dominant retailer, but they yes. ignored the the tides of change. Uh, yes. They put their head in the sand. <laughs> Amazon retail, uh, online retailers, more, more flexible, fast moving, agile competitors came in and, and ate their lunch. And it took a long time for them to react. And when they reacted, they reacted poorly. 
Um, but yeah, I think it looks as though, and you know, the market was essentially pricing this thing for irrelevance, right? Like it got to 30 cents a share last year. Mm. Um, and, and so the bounce you've seen, now it's a dollar 10 or something like that. So the bounce you have seen definitely sort of help driven by, uh, earnings increase, but also I think the, the view of the market switching to, a, oh, maybe, maybe they do have a future which is great. Um, the thing is, is that even after all is said and done, it's still a shadow of its, its former self. So they may have been able to pivot to a viable model and there might be uh, sustainability going forward. Um, there might be growth going forward. And as an mm. investor, that's the way you've got to look. It really doesn't Correct. matter what, what's happened before. I just make the point that even if they have got it right, it's still been a disaster for shareholders over the last <laughs> any right. meaningful exactly. period of time. Yes, yes, um, yes. But, but yeah. And, and the other thing I guess I would make is the it's ostensibly still cheap, despite going from $0.30 cents to $1.10, uh, because it's offering you a 5.5% fully franked yield. So if you feel, and I haven't looked at, I haven't looked closely at this thing forever. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I, if you feel as though those dividends can be at the very least sustained, it's uh, it's gonna make a, it's gonna make for a. Um, I, I guess the risk is if, if that is your bag, you look at that and go, ah, oh, thirty cents to a dollar ten, I've missed out. I think, well, no, not not necessarily mm -hmm. on the proviso mm -hmm. that you you feel as though those dividends are sustainable and hopefully even grow a little bit. Mm. Do you do I, you know it well? Uh, yeah, well enough, mate. I don't. I don't own it. I owned it years and years and years and years ago. Luckily, sold out before it crashed. But didn't buy back in before it went to. It was ten cents in March twenty twenty. It's a ten bagger. I was a in ten the last cents. almost wow. almost exactly two years. Wow, three years. Sorry, three years. Which is a hell of a thing, right? Um, I misjudged their ability to finally belatedly capitalize on the internet mm. because most of that sales growth. Has actually come believe it or not online. Yeah. And I think there's a really interesting thing about, uh, uh, you know, I like my e commerce retailers and I like mm -hmm. the, uh, I've got a couple of them. I've mentioned one or two before. Yep. Uh, Drink. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say its name. <coughs> Excuse me. I love the trend. And I think what we need to be a little bit careful of is that headlines come and go, right? Fat, fat, not even a, it's not even a fat in terms of, consumption it's a fan in terms of their headline e-commerce was all the rage mm. and then it was all going to go away because of covid was over and yet and yet maya managed to grow their sales really strongly online so group online sales are now 20.3 percent of total maya this is maya this mm. is not you know uh, premier investments smiggle just do a great job online mm. uh, jb hi-fi does a great job online this is not these guys this is maya this is the shop that you assume most of our parents and their parents go to rather than, you know, cool young people like us, Andrew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the the growth of that business, the success of that business, I actually think is uh, is most of the Maya story. Mm. I am reasonably sure they are borderline break-even at best on a lot of their stores around the country. Yeah. Because they've got these massive store footprints. They get very nice sweetheart rental deals from the landlords. Mm. Massive big stores. It's expensive to put stock in there, to have staff in there. It's just they're terrible models these days with online and other specialty stores. But their online sales are going $382 million of sales online. This is Maya. 
So twenty yeah, percent of anything, total sales, compound right? annual growth of thirty-one percent over right? the last three years. Yeah. Buyer. So so two things. One is online sales continue to soar, and we got to. I, I really whether you buy an online retail or not, I don't care. But you've got to. If you own a, a retail REIT, I'd be worried, right? You've got to remember this is the future, and this is going to keep happening. You won't get the headlines now. A couple of years' time, someone will write a headline about how online shopping is back and how we missed it. No one was talking about it. Well, we're talking about it now. Um, it has been remarkably, remarkably good. And the brand means something. And the brand means more than I thought it would online. I didn't think Maya would transition or its customers would transition to online. DJs, by the way, similar online success. Mm. So I think there's. I think that's the story. And I, I have... Go on. I'm sorry, mate. I, I think we've got a lag. Um, I reckon COVID was a wonderful push factor there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. In the sense that for a target market that would all else being equal probably not the most online native you know uh were forced to and then thought oh it's actually not too bad in fact that in fact that that sales online sales figure of 380 million was actually down 10 percent due to the first yes, that's right first half of the, last, last year yes yes because it was months. a big covid and they they pointed out it's just like well it was covid so everyone shopped online mm. so that's uh, you think you would expect that to roll over not that the sales have gone away but probably more in sale in store oh, as opposed yeah. yep yeah exactly um but it has it has like with zoom and so many other things it's trained us to go huh 100%. you can do you don't you know so i i that's I guess that's the risk at this point is do we continue to extrapolate that 31% mm. compound annual growth in online sales forward off a very low base? Um, but it'd be hard, I would imagine, given that's $380 million of online sales, to grow that at 31% per year. Mm. You know, after a decade, you'll be bigger than the uh, the Australian economy. At, at, at a, <laughs> I don't know what the mass is, but it's something like that. So, um, yeah, I guess just, just, a, just a couple nuances around around the figures no i think that's absolutely right i think my i think my take on this is despite the decline in sales online and return to stores the fact that it is 20.3 percent of sales and will grow over time this is what will save my if you if you've got a brand like maya you get a lot of organic traffic and you can do it all out of one warehouse or a couple of warehouses around the country really cheaply compared yeah. to its current model which is a truckload of stock, a stock in twenty what twenty five stores I must have around the country, I suppose. Mm. Uh, massive store footprints, lots of staff. You want to be online as quickly as you can. Now, once they go online or permanently online, maybe the brand fades. I'm not sure this is necessarily the the, the new normal. <laughs> maybe it's the old normal back end. Maybe it's somewhere in between. Um, I don't really have a strong view on Maya, other than uh, the the online thing has been really, really, really. I, I would I would suspect that without the online sales, this business is broke already. It's probably mm. probably dead already. Yeah, which is not to say the only place they make money is online. It's not, but the the, the online sales, the online profits, I'm absolutely sure are are keeping this thing afloat. I I have said before I will stick with this one. I think my will eventually have six stores around the country, maybe seven. Mm. There'll be CBD marquee stores. You'll go to the Sydney CBD store, Brisbane CBD store, Adelaide CBD store, and then everyone else will shop online. You go, you're going to you might go there for a, for a shopping trip when you're in town, mm. but you just need a massive massive density of shoppers to make mm. these really really big footprint stores work. And the only place you're going to get them is in the CBDs around the country. Mm. Uh, the rest is going to come online. And, and Maya's success or failure in five years' time, I'm pretty sure, will depend on how well they do online and how well, frankly, they cut costs in the physical retail outlets otherwise. Because that's the other thing. If, if 20% of your sales are online, some of those shoppers would have gone to a Maya previously and not going to now Yeah, because they've gone online. So you're, you're actually sucking people out of your own stores, which is, is still positive. They should still do it. Mm. But it hastens the closure, I think, of some of those stores. Yeah. 
It's a it's a good example. Well, I shouldn't count chickens too early, <laughs> but it is a good example of a turnaround. Um, and again, yeah, right. the, the old Buffett quote is "turnarounds rarely turn." They are they are the, the exception to the rule. Yes. So it it looks That's as though, right. and and I I know there have been some investors I follow who have sort of been talking about it's just it's not the deep value play is not the way I, I tend to go, but it, it it made sense and it looks as though it's worked out very well for some people. The, the challenge that I'd point out though there is is that and this is this is the this is always the case i think is is that what what you fail to appreciate emotionally when you look at, at some of these people with envy is like oh man i wish i'd bought it 40 cents and <laughs> yeah, you know, nearly tripled right. my money on, on Maya. <laughs> yeah. what you've got to understand is that a lot of people were making this argument three years ago correct right and it's just done very very little over or an amp of- for the last 25 years you know, and it just kind yep. of like, oh, it's yep. cheap. Okay, yeah, I get it. It's in a lot of trouble. But if they do this, 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 and this, they've got a smaller, but at least now viable and uh, return to growth business. And it just makes sense at this price because it's so darn cheap. And and actually, the way that the things landed, they they were right. They, they, that's absolutely. It just it just that the market took a couple of years to agree and then agreed all yeah. at once. Yeah. And this is the phenomenon of markets. Is it's a favorite saying of mine, which is the gradually then suddenly, which is how yes. things tend yeah. to go, yep. right? Yep. Like it's sort of, and and I, I just, I point that, point that out there. You're like trying to pick the inflection point, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is whether you're a value investor, growth investor, income, I don't care what any kind of investor you are. You sort of, yeah. you do all this work, you come up with your investment thesis, you go, oh, this looks fantastic. I buy it. <laughs> well, the market's not going to recognize it the instant that that trade is settled. And and yeah. be aware that even when you're right, it can Take a take a while for it to play out, and and if it's in the, like in this case, you know, a couple of years, that is a long period to sit on this thing, nothing happening, while all else around you, there's other things going mm. to the moon. It's tough. Mm. It's 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 really tough. But it is, I guess, the lesson there is, if the thesis is unchanged, uh, stay with it, right? And 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 in fact, it was from 2021 that you started to see those per share earnings start to recover. So you actually started to see evidence of it as well. I mean, it got better in 2022, just got much better in 2023. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's sort of like the, the the hard the hard part of investing is all the research and the analysis, sure, but the harder part is is the waiting and and yeah. but, <laughs> but right. also the more important part. So I just I just point that out because very I don't I don't know of too many people who absolutely picked their absolute bottom of, of no. this as the turnaround play, then Quite, bought, yeah. then did yeah. incredibly well. You know, it's yeah. it, it just doesn't happen that way. I think it works both ways, actually, mate. I like this point. We'll probably finish on this, but the the idea of it, you know, what was it? What did you say? Slowly then suddenly. Gradually then suddenly. Gradually yeah. suddenly. The, I think that's it works both ways. Firstly, you couldn't have known, so don't don't kick yourself too much. The other thing, though, to, to some degree, I think, and maybe maybe disagree. So let's let's have the conversation, but. You you would have been, I won't say right in air quotes, but this is the highest price Maya has been since 2017, if you can believe that. And by the way, the highest profit since 2014. Yeah. So this is a long time waiting. Yeah. That being said, if you'd have bought any time over the last five years, you've now made money. Oh yeah. Now maybe you've kept it with yeah. market, maybe you haven't. So it's kind of. I guess I just want to make the point. That it can be both. Uh, Tesla's a great example. I don't like Tesla as a, as a business. I certainly don't like Elon Musk. I like their cars. Um, they they. Went nowhere for five years, and then mm-hmm. it went up like 10, 10 bag from there. Yep, you know, and so you know, you had to wait a long time in the market. Now, again, AMP fell, and then you waited five years, and it was lower. And you waited five years, and it was lower. And you waited five years, and it was lower. I'm not saying buy anything and wait. I'm not saying be be stubbornly patient, even if the business sucks or, or your your thesis breaks. Mm. But if you'd have had a view back in two thousand, let's say let's say beginning of two thousand eighteen, right? The share price was let's do this sixty six cents. Mm-hmm. 
right? You've made a gain of about two thirds since then. You had to wait for almost five, you know, more than five years for it. Mm. Um, now, annually, maybe that's maybe it's a lot, maybe it's not. My point is that through the almost all of that time, well, but almost all that time you were underwater, right? Yeah. People telling you how badly wrong you were. Now, maybe yeah. you were maybe you were wrong. Maybe you got lucky. Maybe you had a thesis which said the stores would be great, online will die. My is going to be this great physical presence retail and the increase in store service. That's going to be the solution, mm. and that would have been an entirely wrong thesis and a lucky outcome. But yeah. I just want to make the point that. You know, again, as we say regularly, don't don't look to the market for confirmation. Yeah, I mean, eventually you have to. Eventually you have to say, look, after 25 years of owning AMP, I'm probably wrong. So I'm not saying hold stuff stubbornly, but I am saying just just don't 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 forget that these things can take a while to happen, and you're not wrong just because the market doesn't agree with you straight away, or even three years later. I've so many people say, what about Company X? The shares still aren't performing. Should I sell them? Mm. Well, not necessarily. Maybe yeah, but maybe not. And, and don't let the market tell you whether your thesis is right. What did you expect to happen? Is it happening or is it still likely to happen in your view? Mm. If it is, great. If it's not, then cool, you've learned something you can sell and move on. Yep, and, and, that, and that's why there, I do I absolutely give credit to the, the deep value investors who, who did take positions in this in recent years um, because they, they were right for the right reasons and they stuck to their guns when. Do you reckon they were right for the right reasons? Oh, I guess I. Uh, do, do we I, know I, that? I, I'm, I'm being very. Are, by the way, I don't know who you're talking about. But uh, I'm just, I'm very selective. Few few people I know just okay. just making the argument. It's just sort of like, yeah, okay, it's in cool. trouble. They'll just right size to a smaller business online. will pick up. Rah 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 rah. Okay. And 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 it actually came through on the numbers. As I said, it's things started to improve in twenty from 2020 to 2021. We started to see an increase in mm. in sales and earnings. Uh, just, all the metrics just started to get better. So it wasn't like they came up with an idea that turned out to be something completely wrong. And then there yeah. was there was there was a lot of evidence along the way yeah. that actually yeah. this is right. Yeah. Take the AMP case. You might have said, "Listen, this is bloated. There's all these kinds of problems here." Right. But they Same but thesis, they right? will they will they will get it. But the difference yeah. is is that reporting period after reporting period, there was no evidence of it. So. So there is a that, that is when you don't want to be patient. There is when you don't want to just give it time and don't you know don't worry about the market. It's not, no, no. In that instance, yeah. The, you, the, the, whatever whatever reasons you had, for, and it's not a terrible thesis. I mean, there's a whole bunch of alternate realities where AMP absolutely turned things around. It's a much bigger business right. than it is or today. Or Maya, by the way, went broke despite yeah. trying to grow its online sales. Exactly, but yeah. but yeah. It, but it just it never. There was never evidence for it. You got to, you're a detective here, right? So at that point, you kind of got to go. Well, it's just not showing, right? So, that, and I think at that point, it is you you do you do sell, you cop the loss, and and that's the lesson of AMP and a lot of the turnarounds that never turn around is that it always sucks to take the loss, but not yeah. taking the losses just ended up in far bigger losses. Um, yeah. And and all I'm I'm just reiterating the same point here is just sort of like form form your view. And then look for evidence to support that view. Be a scientist, yes. right? Here's my here's is my is my theory. Uh, I'm going to go out and see if I can if I can confirm or, or, or deny that. If, if if you can't confirm it, okay, you were wrong. Get used to it. You're going to be wrong all the time. You know, if you're right, stick with it. Add more, maybe. You know, like that's that's the way you do. It. And then they'll ha you'll have that that sub gradually and suddenly kind of phenomena where it's like, huh, the rest of the market gets the epiphany and <laughs> and, and you're away. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. most people, I suspect, in in quote unquote retail end, will only now be starting to look at Maya. Yeah. 
That's right, exactly. Because yeah. all the price has gone up threefold yeah. in the last year. Yeah. I'm like, must be doing yeah. something right all of a sudden. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's time to buy. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And, and as I said, maybe there's a, 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 there's a, absolutely still value there. I haven't done the work, but but my point is, is that it's only because of such an, a, a phenomenal price increase that people are actually now looking. And even if you're right, it's like, well, the better part of the gains have been gone. It's gone up th- a, a brick and mortar, largely right. retailer is three x. Right. Don't don't expect yes. that to happen every year. Yeah, like, exactly. Not from here again. Exactly. That's no. right. Yeah, or maybe it will, but again, oh, don't, yeah. don't do it just because it'd be, of the it'd be, it'd be, it'd be harder from here. Yeah, it would. That's a good way to put it. Mate, that's probably done us. I thought it was a tour de force of an episode. I enjoyed that. Hopefully our listeners did as well. Will you come back on Sunday anyway? You know it. Absolutely. I've got plenty of questions, including some positive feedback on my jokes. You'll like oh, that. no. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.